Welcome to Divine Inspiration by Dantisha James. Today we're going to talk about Walk by Faith, Session 3. Yes, Walk by Faith, Session 3. So perseverance is a steadfast effort to follow God's um, commands and to do his works. The New Testament makes it clear that faith alone can save, but it makes it equally clear that perseverance in doing good works is the greatest indication that an individual's faith is genuine. Indeed, perseverance springs from a faithful trust that God has been steadfast towards his people. Through persevering God's work Christians, God's work Christians prove their deep in appreciation for God's saving grace. As a result of perseverance, the Christian can expect not only to enhance the strength of the church, but also to build up strength of the life. I mean, to build up strength of the characters and the, of the characteristics. In Romans chapter five, verse three through four, the word of God says this. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produces perseverance and perseverance, courage and courage to hold. A lot of us don't like to talk about suffering our trials and tribulations as believers, but we got to go through it, okay? And that's what I'm going to talk about more today when we walk by faith in Christ as believers, that sometimes we endure trials and sometimes we deal with hardships and sometimes we deal with suffering, sometimes we deal with pain, but through it all, God's love is still going to love us through it all. And that's what we got to make sure. That's one thing that can never, ever take away is God still loves us. And God's still going to be God and God's still going to help us. And God's going to help us get through those times. So let's get into the word of God. You ready to get into the word of God? I have this down. My first question is, it is born of a faith that trumpets to the end in the midst of suffering. Is that true or false? Let's say, let's see what the word of God says. So let's go through Job chapter 13, verse 15. The word of God says this, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to, to his face, excuse me. And so, yes, that is true. Faith trumpets, faith to the end trumpets in the midst of suffering. So even if I'm going through suffering, even if I'm going through some tears or crying or hardship or breaking up or things I don't understand, or even if I'm at the bottom of the pit, one thing is for sure. We got to keep our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because guess what? He never gives up on us. And when we go through those times of trials and tribulations, he's right there with us. He said he's a God that never leave us, never forsake us. That's our sovereign God. That is our sovereign Lord. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. There ain't no God like him. There is no God before him. And there's definitely no God after him. He said, I am who I am to Moses. <laughs> so let's keep going on. And so though he slays me, yet will I trust in him. A declaration of faith in God's goodness ever uttered. Whatever God allows to happen to Job, whatever burden he laid upon him, even though he should slay him, Job believed ultimately that God would not fail him. So yes, faith in the Lord trumpets over our suffering. Apostle Paul expressed this same confidence in God's love for his faithful people in Romans chapter 8. Although the Lord may take away comfort after comfort, Health may be destroyed and waves of trouble may come upon us through the grace of Jesus Christ and the power of his saving death. We can trust God with unwavering faith, convinced that he is right and just and good. And so my second question is for you. Is life all about happiness and personal fulfillment 
are about serving and honoring God. Let me say that sentence again. Is life all about happiness and personal fulfillment? are about serving and honoring God. Let's go into the word of God. Let's go into Job, Job chapter three. And then I'm going to go down to the um, verse 23 through 26. And let's read what the word of God says. Why is life given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged hedge in? For Sion has become my daily food. My groans pour out like water. What I fear has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. <laughs> so Job had been careful not to worship material possessions, but to worship God alone. Here, here, um, here was, I mean, yeah, here he was overwhelmed by calamity that mocked his conscience and he complained about trials that came despite his right living. So even though Job was God's child and he, he was doing what was right and he was doing, he was worshiping God. He was doing sacrifices. He was blessed and highly favored. You could see about everything that was around him and his children. Even if his children did something wrong, he was still sacrificing. But Satan wanted to go see if he can make him curse God. And so everything happened to him that he dreaded to happen. So his kids got killed. His farm got taken away. The land got taken away, got burned, got on fire. Even his friends rejected him. Even his wife was told him, his wife, his lover, his partner told him to curse God. My God. And so Job began to lose his perspective. Trials and griefs, well, the temporary are enduring. Do not destroy the real purpose of life. Life is not given merely for happiness and personal fulfillment, but for us to serve and honor God. Let me say it again. Life is not given merely for happiness and personal fulfillment, but for us as believers to serve and honor God. The worth and meaning of life is not based on what we feel. But on the one reality, no one can take away, which is God's love for us. So don't assume that because God truly loves you, he will always prevent suffering. God's love cannot be measured or limited by how great or how little we may suffer. Let me say that again. Don't assume that because God truly loves you, he will always prevent suffering. God's love cannot be measured or limited by how great or how little we may suffer. And so my next question is, would you believe a reputation? I mean, would you believe a person whose reputation is a liar? And so a person with a reputation of integration or lying often can get away to believe him is him and his word alone. Christians should never become like that. Always be honest so that we others will believe your simple yes or your no. By avoiding lies or have truths and omission of the truth, you will become known as a trustworthy person. Joyce Meyer says this in one of her books. I believe indecision and double-mindedness double not only bring confusion and complication, but they also cause condemnation. i give you an example. Over the weekend, okay? I ate some... I ate, I ate too much. I ate junk food. And I know I was past my limit. But I still ate it anyway. So then the next day, which is today, I have, I feel slugger. I feel when I woke up, I feel slugger. I don't feel like I want to move. I don't feel like I want to go to gym. But I knew what the problem was. So even though I knew I should have did right, I didn't do right. 
I ate the junk food anyway. And so now I'm feeling the next day because I know I didn't feel my I didn't feed my temple, my body, the right food that it needs. But I had to deal with that. Yeah, I kind of felt condemned, but I let that go because I'm not under condemnation. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, and condemnation comes from the enemy. It does not come from God. So I still got up no matter how I feel, and I went to go work out. And then after I worked out and took care of my health, my body, this temple that God has given me, I feel much better. <laughs> and so if we believe in our hearts that we should do something and then allow our head to take us out of it, 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 we leave an open door for condemnation. We often labor over decisions when actually we should just pray. Actually, we should just need to pray and then follow our hearts. Sometimes we think too much about a problem. Sometimes we think too much about a situation when we should just say, God, give me the grace and the, and the grace to do it and I will go do it. And then go do it and follow your heart. Uh, give me the grace to be kind to this person, even though they hurt me, even though they reject me. Give me the grace to, to be kind to them. Give me the grace to forgive that person. And so we should do it. And so is our prayers a part of God's healing? Is our prayers as believers a part of um, a part a part of God's healing. And so let's go into James chapter five, verse 15. Let's look at the word of God says. It says this, in the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will rise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. And so people in the church are not alone. Members of Christ's body should be able to count on others for support in prayers, especially when they are sick or suffering. The elders should be on call to respond to the illness of any member and the church should stay alert to pray for the needs of all its members. The prayer offered in faith does not refer to live faith to the sick person, but to the faith of the people who's praying. God heals. Our prayers are part of, of God's healing process. As pastors and leaders of the church are to pray for the sick and to anoint them with oil. It is the elders' responsibility to pray the prayer of faith and not the responsibilities of the sick person. The New Testament places a major burden for healing on the church and its leaders. The oil probably represents the healing power of the Holy Spirit, and it may be used as an aid of our faith. A faith of prayer must be offered in give faith according to his will. People may not always heal instantly. Nevertheless, the church should continue to seek healing, power of the Holy Spirit for the sick into glory and for the glory of God. And so do you believe your prayers are powerful and effective as a believer in Jesus Christ? Do you believe your prayers are powerful and effective in the Lord Jesus Christ? I hope you do because you should believe it because it should be effective and powerful in the Lord Jesus Christ because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because you are his child, because he has anointed you, because you have a relationship with him. So your power, your prayers should be powerful and effective. And I was telling my class earlier this week that, I mean, yeah, today, early this morning, that we should pray. And when we see something going on, this injustice, we pray to God and ask him to bring justice on it. Case of we, we pray and see something going wrong and it's society in this world, we pray and talk to our God about that situation. There's nothing our God can't do. So yes, our prayers are powerful and effective and we got to know that as children of God. And so, an important reason healing is often lacking in Christian community. Sin must be confessed to others in fervent prayer for one another. Be made to God. 
Sin in the church hinders the prayers of believers and blocks the healing power of God from being manifested in the congregation. Some people see prayer as the last resort to be tried when all else fails. This approach is backwards. Prayer should come first because God's power is infinitely greater than ours and only makes sense to rely on it, especially because God encouraged us to do so. God says in his word, pray in season and out of season. He didn't say pray when the last resort, I pray when you feel like praying. No, we're supposed to pray every day. My God, if we want to be effective prayer and effective prayer, then we want our prayers to be answered, not just the last time, but we should be praying all the time as believers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, we are the salt and the light on this earth. And there's a lot of darkness going on around us. But if we just humble ourselves and pray to our Heavenly Father and seek His faith, He can turn this society around. Well, not the society because the world's wicked, but I'm just saying He can turn His children around. And so my last question is, would you help a brother or a sister who used to be a believer but backslide and need to return to God? Let me say that sentence again. Would you help a brother or a sister who used to be a believer but backslide and need to return to God? Let's look at James chapter 5, verse 19 through 20. The word of God says this. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sin. And so believers should do everything possible to turn back to God. Those who stray from the truth, the salvation of a wandering brother or sister should always be a high priority in the Christian community. You don't got to be a pastor to turn a believer back to Christ. You don't got to be a deacon to turn a believer back in Christ. The only thing you stamped on is that you are a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that should be your high priority to make sure that brother or sister get turned back to God. Hmm. Let's keep going on. And so if the backsliders returns to Christ, the one who converts him or her will have saved the sinner from death, spiritual death, and eternal separation from God. And so as I wrap it up, the book of James emphasizes faith in actions. Right living is the evidence and resource of faith. The church must serve with compassion, speak loving and truthfully, live in obedience to God's commands, and love one another. The body of believers ought to be an example of heaven and earth, drawing people to Christ through love for God and each other. Thank you so much for listening to Divine Inspiration. God bless you. Bye.